Tomahawk, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to I Like to Movie Movie, the podcast about movie movies. My name is Garrett Smith. And my name is Dan Scully, and I'd like to wish you guys all a reanimated Bone Tomahawk. Ooh, Bone Hawk Tomahawk. More on that later. <laughs> yes. Uh, so this week we are coming to you uh, with our first sponsor. Yeah. Uh, we the got- letter B. <laughs> no, that's Sesame Street. That's uh, the letter H for horror for October. Hey, mm. we're kicking off October right because uh, we got this wonderful sponsor this week. It's HorrorPack.com. Uh, they are a monthly subscription box where they send you four horror DVDs or Blu-rays, your choice. Every month for 25 bucks a month. Uh, you can do like a yearly subscription, and I think that comes down by a few dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Which adds up to 48 movies <laughs> yeah, in a yearly. Sh- That's the quickest I've ever done. Math. Holy shit, yes. Yeah. Uh, so you would get 50 movies basically over the course of a year, all horror. We're rounding up a little bit. It's rounding 48. up a little bit. You get 48. Yeah. Uh, over the course of the year, I think you even get some sort of like special bonus if you do a full uh, yearly subscription. Absolutely. Uh, and so what they did was they sent us. Wait a minute. So if I want to check out horrorpack.com, yes. how, how do I find them? What's their web presence? Oh, www.horrorpack.com. Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, okay. They're on Facebook. They're on Twitter. You can find them all over the place. Uh, and they do a, a different box every month. They sent us the August box. Uh, so I, uh, I, we can't really do an unboxing. That's already happened. Yeah, but yeah. I will. And you couldn't see it anyway. Which exactly. Is the sound of paper tearing <laughs> and uh, cardboard folding. Indeed. Uh, so this was August's box. We got a copy of Saw 5, the oh. two-disc director's cut. That's you know one a lot was cut out of four this. movies before it. <laughs> yes, yes, it That's is. That's that one. Uh, we got Scar. I believe, I believe Jigsaw's dead two movies worth of dead I think by you're the right. time this one comes out, which is phenomenal because there's still two more to go. Detective Hoffman is seemingly the last person alive to carry on the Jigsaw legacy. Oh, spoiler! I don't even right. know who Detective Hoffman is. He's played by Danny oh, Glover, an actor with a great name. No, no, Danny Glover never comes back. He's oh. too classy. Uh, Anywho, what else did we get? Scar 3D, including two pairs of 3D glasses. So Ooh. you know, Dan and I gonna be watching this yep. shit. It looks to be some sort of a. There's a woman with stitches on her face, and the the phrase "some wounds." Never heal. I bet they're not talking about the stitched womb. I bet they're talking about some sort of psychological thing, which bodes well. Totally. In I, 3D. I'll tell you, the, the way the cover sells this movie is not what is described on the back at all. It's about like a prom queen and a police investigation. I don't know. Uh, but I will watch that. It's in 3D. And we, the guy from Saw 5, his name is Costas Mandalore. Costas Mandalore. What a great Hoffman, name. Yeah. Uh, and then we got Motivational Growth which appears to be uh, an independent uh, horror film about, ready for this? Some sort of, like, uh, just poopy growth that grows in a man's bathroom, voiced by Jeffrey Combs. Nice. Yes, uh, who gives him advice, life advice. Uh, And what I think is the crowning achievement in August's box, H.P. Lovecraft's HP Lovecrafts Reanimator, yes. uh, which is today's episode. We watched Reanimator. Thank you to HorrorPack.com for sending on us beautiful this. Blu-ray, Blu-ray baby, Blu-ray. Uh, and uh, yeah, so we watched Reanimator. Thanks to HorrorPack, and uh, they have a very special October box. They do uh, something really special every October. They would not reveal to me what the secret special movie is that they're uh, giving out this October, but they do a big one every year. Uh, so if you uh, get on board now while you're listening to this this month, October, uh, you. You will get their October Horror Pack, which supposedly has a very special secret movie in it. Whatever it is, it's going to be good. I mean, there's a very real chance.
it could be Radio Flyer. Oh. You don't know. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> but is it a imagine movie? that. Well, I mean, what isn't horrifying about about you know okay. violence in the home? That's true. But That's uh, true. you know, I think a dog gets beaten to death. Ugh. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, well, uh, so yeah, I mean, August's box had Reanimator in it. Yeah. So if October's box has like a super special secret movie, I can't imagine what it is because Reanimator. Oh, it's worth it's the box alone. It's, it's fucking fantastic. Uh, so thank you to HorrorPack.com. Check them out. Uh, get one of their subscriptions. And we are going to talk about one of the things they sent us, Reanimator. Reanimator. And uh, make sure you guys tell your friends about our show. While we're being whores, we oh, need to yes, whore ourselves for a little bit. You got to love yourself a little bit. Uh, we've got a I Like To Movie on Twitter, mm-hmm. on Facebook, on mm-hmm. everything. Tumblr. On everything. Even on Reddit. We mm-hmm. don't do anything with it. It's nah, everywhere. But we're there. So yes, check out I Like To Movie. Subscribe. Leave some reviews. Um, yeah. Interact with us. Let us yeah. know what you want to do. Email us. I like to movie at gmail.com. Tell us about a movie you want us to talk about. Uh, such as Reanimator, which is one of my fucking favorite uh, horror movies. Uh, it's, you know, we talked about it last episode. I am kind of fresh to horror. Uh, and this was something I watched very early in my sort of like, you know what? I'm going to dive in. I want to oh, see yeah. some cool horror. And this was on Netflix at the time. That was like when I first oh, dove wow. in. I was like, oh, I'll just watch whatever you know, horror movies I've heard of that people have talked about that Netflix currently has. This was one of them, and this was definitely one of the ones that, like, really opened my mind to, like, yo, horror can be so many things. It can be a movie movie. Yeah, I mean, it, it can do so many things that are, are were at the time outside of my purview for what horror was. I just always thought of it as, like, it's gross, it's violent, it's crazy. It's pointless. Yeah, yeah. this movie is all those things, but it is... It's almost not a horror movie. No! It's kind of like a, it, a sly sci-fi movie yes. that just has gross-out elements. Exactly, yeah. When I first heard about Reanimator, it was... Tip- it was uh, probably a lot of people got it from American Beauty. Oh, because in American Beauty, the, the stoner neighbor boy, yeah. is talking to Lester Burnham, uh-huh. and uh, he's like, "Oh, I was gonna come over and borrow that uh, that DVD uh, later and yeah. talk about." He's like, "Oh, the one with the 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 head go the uh, what's it called decapitated head going down on a girl." Uh-huh. He's like, "Yeah, Reanimator," and every fifteen year old was like, "That sounds like one of those hip references because <laughs> yeah. American Beauty is cool." Yeah, and uh, well, they and were all- right though. It was yeah, like, you know. They also, you know, you were a fifteen-year-old boy, and they also referenced uh, oh, going down head on a girl, going yeah. down on a girl. Yeah, yeah, it's the per- it's the most perfect thing. <laughs> yeah, but I I saw it then, um, maybe saw it once or twice in the interim. It's been like seven, eight years. Yeah, and so my tastes have changed a little bit, totally. or just whatever the knowledge the of grown, movies is has yeah. grown. This movie's fucking great. It's dope. I love. Like this I always movie. thought it was good, but I. And now I know why it has that staying power. Yeah. Because watching it, you're like, oh, there is like an actual knowledge of craft here. Yes. You know, of Lovecraft. <laughs> 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 it's uh, Stuart Gordon, director. Stuart Gordon, yes. Uh, who is interesting because, so I've only seen two of his movies. I've seen this, and I believe From Beyond was also directed by him. Uh, you've seen a f- quite a few more, though, I think, right? Dagon yeah. is awesome. Castle um, Freaks is supposed to be great. Castle, Castle Freak is incredible. One of those is like an assault movie. Am I right about that, or am I wrong about that? That is some um, uh, castle freak. Sorry, Dagon's about sea monsters. Oh, interesting. But uh, I'm pulling up Stuart Gordon's filmography in case there's things that uh, that we're not aware, not privy to. Uh, yeah, he because I, I believe that uh, From Beyond was sort of like a pseudo sequel to this. It was another Lovecraft adaptation. Same team, same two. Maybe main you're actors. thinking of Fortress. Ah, maybe I've I am. never seen that one, but it looks pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he did fucking robot jocks. Yes, he did. Oh, that was, robot jocks is incredible. Which is technically, I think, like the last Empire picture. Who, who is uh, who? Who produced this? 
uh, Empire was the uh, they were this small company in uh, the 80s that only lasted like six years, uh, which is ironic because their mission statement was 2000 movies by the year 2000. They uh, went bankrupt by 1989. <laughs> they were so he he co-wrote Reanimator. Yeah, remember midway through the movie when I said, uh, "Oh man, if we made this nowadays, you know, maybe a or like the only other person who could have played Jeffrey Combs was uh, Rick Moranis." Yeah. I said, oh, you know, I guess he kind of did in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Also written by Stuart no Gordon. No shit. Yeah. That's incredible. That's incredible. That's so funny. Yeah, it does have a similar, you know, it's weird. That's almost like a, a weird, like, Frankenstein-y kind of story for kids. Him and Brian Yesner are credited with the story. Oh, interesting. Boom, they did. Uh, yeah, who is the producer of this movie? He produced, I think, this whole series and directed uh, the more recent uh, Reanimator sequel. He definitely did Beyond. I got to look up if he did Bride. Bride. I don't think he did uh, Bride, but... I, I wonder. Because I think a lot of the cast returned for Bride, did they not? I think most of the cast did. That one I've only seen once. I've never seen that. I've heard good things, though. I hear that's a, one of the uh, better horror sequels. That's this out there. is Brian Yuzna. He did direct. Yep. Bruce Abbott yep. as Dan Kane. He is yep. back. I'm not seeing any Barbara Crampton. Oh, so he did. Uh, he actually directed Bride as well. So he directed Bride he directed and Bride, Beyond. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah, so he is uh, sort of the, the, the man behind these things. And so I got to see uh, Dennis Paoli, the writer of Reanimator, at uh, a screening that Exhumed Films did. Uh, Exhumed Films is really cool. I think we've actually talked about this before in the podcast. They're this really cool uh, little like film collective in Philadelphia. They collect 35 millimeter prints of uh, generally horror and exploitation movies. And they do these marathon screenings of them. They did an Empire Pictures marathon where I got to see Reanimator, 35 millimeter on the big screen. It was really incredible. And the writer was there, Dennis Paoli, and he had a lot of really interesting things to say about this movie. Like even just the inception of this movie I believe was Brian Yesna coming to uh, either him or Stuart Gordon. I don't remember who got the project first and was just like, I want to make an H.P. Lovecraft movie. Mm -hmm. Let's do it. And so they just sort of decided on Reanimator as one that seemed to make the most well, sense you know as a low-budget feature. anything about the original story? Not a lot. I know nothing, but I, I, from what I understand, it's not very similar. It's just about Herbert West. Right. I, I don't know. I, I'm not positive. I know that Herbert West is the main character of the story. I don't know how uh, accurate this is to the story. Uh, I would say it sounds like this is more accurate to the H.P. Lovecraft story uh, or, or must be accurate in some way because he made a big point uh, about From Beyond was, you know, they had already made Reanimator, uh, which is an H.P. Lovecraft adaptation. And then when they did From Beyond, it's also an H.P. Lovecraft story. But he said with that one, the entire story From Beyond that H.P. Lovecraft wrote is the opening of their movie. Mm -hmm. It's just the first five minutes of the movie. That's the entirety of of the From Beyond and story, they ran with it. and then they ran with it and wrote their own That's what kind I of movie off of it. Reanimator is because I, I, I know kinda it's just do. a. I mean, it's a short story, right? Yeah, so it's just so it can't be too much. Can't be too it's much. Probably this, yeah. just a little bit about who Herbert West is right. and what the deal is. Like, I wonder, does it even take place at a college like this? You know oh, it what takes I mean? place at Miskatonic University. It does. That's okay. a thing in Lovecraft. Oh, okay. okay. Miskatonic Universe University is a place that just frequently features oh, things from his stories. Okay, yeah. okay. Um, yeah, it's because also the first. Uh, the first like pop uh, pop culture mention of zombies created by science. Oh, really? Yeah. Is this story in particular? This story in particular. Yes. Interesting. It's the first time that it was ever just yeah. science. Hey, it. science. Just we brought demons. The yeah, undead. Right. When there's no more room in hell, 
Although that was after. This <laughs> yeah, was written yeah. apparently in 1922. Oh, interesting. It's the same year my grandmother was written. <laughs> uh, the thing that I, I think I love about this movie so much is it's just like pure invention all the time. Does that make sense? There's just like always every like 10 minutes, it seems like the story is twisting in some new direction that I don't expect it to go. I attribute it to the rule that I mentioned to yeah. you. I watched a video from... It was Trey Parker, Matt Stone, mm-hmm. giving some speech at a college. They just showed up to do like a screenwriting thing. Sure. And their main rule was this was never this happens, then this happens, then this happens. It's this happens, but this happens, therefore this happens. Yeah. And so it keeps something constantly happening. It's it's basically a device to eliminate all filler. Right. And it just moves it forward. It keeps you engaged. Mm-hmm. I don't think this breaks that rule once. No. Because it like it essentially introduces like new conflicts at the end of every scene mm-hmm. that we don't have to. I think three times in the form of a reanimated body, yes. just been like, Rah! exactly. Like, oh shit! Yeah, <laughs> but I love that it's it's exactly what you're saying. It takes away this need for filler because uh, ending a scene on a new conflict means we can start the next scene either away from the conflict, uh, having already dealt with the conflict, and now talking about the results of it, or. Now that we saw the consequence, we can just jump to the next scene and go, now we're dealing with it. Well, there's no, there's no like, and scene. Right. It's the same device when people are on a phone and they get a shift scene and they're like, all right, see you later. And they never say bye. Right. And it just seems weird. Yeah. You wouldn't notice that if you had something else to think about. Right. You know, and this makes sure there's always something new to think about. Yeah. There, well, because there's like, uh, you know, like I, one of my favorite, so one of the things that's interesting about this movie is it is often referred to as a horror comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like you said, I don't even know if it's necessarily a horror film. I can see where it fits that bill, but it's a yeah, little it's more just science fiction. Sci-fi, yeah. yeah. I mean, it is a horror film. There yeah. is zombies. There's, oh, for sure. But it, it it qualifies only in that it's gory and there's menace. Yes. But I think beyond that, it's really just a, uh, you know, it's a it's a science gone too far kind of thing. Yeah. You know, it's it's bad it's a science. science story. Exactly. Uh, and uh, uh, the I would not say that it's a um comedy in the classic sense either mm-hmm. it is a comedy but not in the there's not jokes in this movie per se i think it's an inherently ridiculous idea yeah and so there's certain things that in order to ground it in reality are placed in a way that they make sense but yeah. because everyone treats it like a reality and we know that it's it's inherently absurd yes it becomes funny totally um there's a shot where they're discussing what to do with this dead cat <laughs> yeah and the way that it's framed is the cat's on the desk in front of them and you could show that a million different ways because uh-huh. that's where the cat would be in that scene. Yes. But the way it's framed is the cat is in the foreground Front laying in a horrifying death pose oh, yeah. as these guys are having a calm medical conversation behind uh-huh. it. That's what makes it funny. Yeah. Is that that's not really a funny scene, but no. our cameraman decided to show it from precisely that angle. There's a weird contrast. There's nothing between unreal the... about it. Yeah. We're just allowed a perspective of, oh, this is strange to us and not them. And there's something inherently, fi- right, there's something inherently funny about like we are. We are forced to be witness to this dead cat right in front of us while they're just fucking babbling on about their their own science. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) About their science and shit. Yeah. Uh, But, uh, and, uh, you know, I think the other big, uh, uh, well, so the comedy of the movie, I think it comes from the the inherent ridiculousness, but also the, uh, the cast is so, they know what this movie is. It's one of those great movies where everybody seemed to go into it and sort of knew what it would turn out to be. Oh, yeah. Does that make any sense? I think it makes perfect sense. It's always fascinating to me when actors seem to sort of like 
know what the movie is going to be when it's all cut together. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you understand what that tone will be in the moment, you know? Mm -hmm. And this movie really has that, like, especially with uh, Jeffrey Combs. His performance is so insanely physical. Yeah. And it's in a slapstick kind of way, just played for, and that's where a lot of the humor comes from, is when he's, you know, just when he's flailing around doing mad stuff, and it's just him. Yep. Oh, yeah, like when he's got the, the... essentially stuffed cat on his back, but it's supposed to be this angry, feral cat that's attacking him. Yeah. And it's just him with a stuffed just animal like on his back. Flailing through a Flailing lab. about. Yep. And then, you know... Uh, but it's weird, because that's something that could be goofy and ridiculous. Totally. And it's not. Nope. And that's something that could be terrifying. Yes. And it's not. Nope. It's both. Yeah. But, it, like, in the perfect way. Yeah, know? it it's... really walks that line the whole time. Oh, yeah. and, and then you have, uh, uh, you know, Gordon making all these really interesting choices. Like, I think that's the same sequence where... As uh, he's getting batted around by the cat, he hits this overhead lamp with the cat, mm-hmm. and then the lamp is just swinging back and forth through the rest of the scene, and the rest of the scene becomes this sort of like, oh, fuck, where is the cat now? It's going to come out mm-hmm. and attack us again. It adds a strobe effect to it. Yeah, and there's a lot of tension to that mm-hmm. that there wouldn't be if we were just watching these two actors creep around a basement, you know? And that's also a movie-movie trick. Yeah. Um, that's just something to liven up the frame. Oh, yeah. It's some flair. Yep. Boom, you got that light in there. It looks good. And that's just like it's a smart, simple choice that, uh, you know, unfortunately not a lot of people think to make. And, that, you know, it shows the 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 care that goes into this weird little movie that I know for sure was not an expensive movie to make. Nobody expected it to do well. Paoli was like, yeah, they asked us to do it. We sort of got excited about it because we thought it was like a cool, weird little idea. We had a lot of fun making it. But we just sort of like, once it was done, we were like, oh, boy, who's going to watch this thing? Mm-hmm. You know? And he was like, and, we, and I guess their, one of their premieres was in Philly, and he told this story about like showing up and assuming like nobody was going to be there. And it's just this like packed, hot little room oh, where people awesome. are just like laughing and screaming at the right times. And he was like, and we realized like, oh, we actually like, we really nailed the thing that we wanted to do. We just kind of didn't think anybody was going to latch onto it or, or get yeah, it necessarily, yeah, yeah. you know? That's so wild. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think it's, the, it goes to show, uh, the filmmaker obviously knows how to make a movie. Totally. If it wasn't horror, I'd be willing to bet he'd make a visually engaging movie. Well, you because there's just that. basic movie making science going on at totally. all times. Totally. You put in that great shot of Crampton coming out of the uh, the elevator. Oh, it's insane. When when her father uh, has sort of, I think it's when he just got killed for the first time, yeah. right? And she can sort of hear him screaming from a distance. And so it's that great slow open of the elevator, that tight shot on her that has a bit of a vertigo effect on it almost. Mm-hmm. And the camera pulls down the hallway as she gets more and more freaked out and starts running faster. It's so good. It's like really classy kind of. It reminds me a lot. Have you seen Return of the Living Dead? I have. It reminds me a lot of that. Yeah. Um, for two reasons. One, that's the same kind of thing where there's always two scenes going on at yeah. once that cut back and forth, just filled with really flare-filled but unnoticeable shots. Yep. And then it's it also has sort of the same... Uh, it it kind of has the same sense of humor, I would say. Yeah. But it, it has the same sort of uh, just uh, trust in its own low-budget aesthetic. Totally, yes. Uh, yeah, oh, Return is like, uh, I think, definitely more of uh, um, an intentional comedy than this is, yeah, if that makes yeah. sense. Uh, but it definitely has that same sort of scrappy, like... We're making a thing. Like we we have this big idea. We have not a lot of money. Someone's vision is thing. being realized. Yeah, yeah. But I think it, it, it's the same commitment to that level of absurdity. If I think movies like this end up getting made because of that budget. Yeah. Because you get a director that's like, hey, I don't have a lot of money. Yep. So I'm just going to use you know tricks. We're yep. not going to put it on. We're going to put the the money behind the lens. Oh yeah. And then you got these actors who are probably just fucking nobodies. Yeah. And the director's like, here's your chance to really have like a good actor that probably didn't get 
an incredible amount of roles. Here's your chance to just carry a movie by being energetic. Yeah. And so you get all these people that are really just scrappy, I believe is is definitely the proper word. Yeah. They're really just fighting to just make the best thing. Oh, yeah. And it's this confluence of mostly talented people really trying to trying so fucking hard. Yeah. And it works. It really works. Because, like, good. You, you could almost accuse Jeffrey Combs of over, overacting. You could, I feel like it's he's, like, pushing this boundary of, like, he makes these big faces and he has these huge reactions. But it fits in the context of this movie he's not in mugging. a way. No. There's no wink or nod towards the nope. camera. I mean, even in something like, you know, as revered as Evil Dead in yeah. the terms of comedy, they wink and nod Oh, they the wink camera. all the time. There's goofy things that yep. happen. N- nothing here seems to be going for a gag. No. It's just a funny world. Yes, yeah. So that's yeah. why these performances, I think, can get away with it. You know, yeah. they're they're these little soap opera performances, but they have to be totally. They absolutely have to be. If it was serious, then the world would seem absurd. No, yeah. If it was absurd, then it would just seem like a stupid movie. That's but true. The fact that they completely like this is their reality. It existed yep. before and after we got here. That's why those those hammy performances are are like required. Totally. Well, and like we had that moment where uh, where Barbara Crampton is like really losing it because she found out. It's funny that this is what makes her lose it. Her already dead reanimated father has been lobotomized. Yeah, which yeah. is one of the great jokes in the movie. I think. So now there's no turning. Back. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a guy that died, got reanimated, and then lobotomized. That's like very funny to me. But she has this really great reaction that is. Maybe you could call it hammy and soap opery, but it again because of the reality that this movie exists and they're all committed to, it is effective. Like she she puts on a great fucking performance in this movie. She really seems broken yeah. at a certain oh, point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like she seems totally broken of her will and everything. For a character for a female horror character that gets put through the ringer, oh yeah. She's one of the few that at, at most like there's a point in every Jason movie where he's ripping her apart and you're just like, ah, whatever, look yeah. at it. She's, she's hot and naked. Doesn't quite ever get there for this because no. she's actually a character. And oh, it's yeah. a good performance. So there's times where it's like, it's definitely meant to be a little bit titillating and it's not not. Right. But at the same time, it's like, oh, I haven't I haven't reduced her to a non-character yet. Right. You know, it's, it, so these moments where it has a lot to do with like a moment like that. To, I mean, that whole sequence where Hill is straight up turning her into a sex slave of his. Mm-hmm like is is effective in the way that you would want that scene to be effective because she's such a character. Mm-hmm. It doesn't turn into like a goofy titillating kind of thing. But what's it's weird like is it a... does still feel like it's I mean it's also serves that function. Oh yeah. It's of that brand of the 80s yes. horror where it's like we got to get some titties in oh, there. Yeah. It does do that, but it doesn't get to exploitative. Oh no, cuz the know? whole time you she is a character. And so yeah. the whole time you're like you are really skeeved out by that. Or at least, I, at least I was. That was my way. It was oh, just yeah. like, holy shit. This is like, I don't... You mean to so think there's people that aren't skeeved out by a dad forcing... I, I, <laughs> I'd be willing to bet that there are people that uh, really yeah, enjoy true. that moment for the wrong reasons. Well, uh, yeah. But I think that the mo- what I love about the movie is that it's so effectively... I think actually draws that conclusion for you that this is oh yeah you know this is a, like the worst situation you could put her in you know yeah oh yeah um, yeah because you also I have... wouldn't want to get head from my dad's right. friend's corpses reanimated yeah head. well and that's oh. that's the worst thing about it is that it's like her dad has to deliver her to oh, him yeah. it's like this horrible sort of. Uh, uh, Dennis Paoli said that he he said that if he had to say that there's a theme to this movie, and he was actually very clear about like we wanted to write like a fun weird movie. Mm. You know, he, he he was not like he didn't he was not one of those guys that was like, well, my art is about to, you know. Oh, he was yeah, like, yeah. we were writing a fun kind of weird goofy oh, yeah. movie. That was what we wanted it to be. He was like, if it's about anything, 
it is kind of supposed to be a perversion of the bourgeois you know that 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 class it, it, it is this class of man who has decided like these are the rules this is how the world works and i am comfortable in this world because i know those are the rules and i've learned to conquer this world through those rules mm-hmm. uh her well, dad dogma versus versus uh What's the word? Drive. Drive. Yeah. You know, uh, dogma uh, versus like the willingness to go beyond. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, passion or, yeah. or whatever you want to call it. And and exploration. That yeah, would be the word. Dogma yeah, totally. versus exploration. And and her dad serves that purpose as well as Hill. Uh, and what you get at the end is her dad having to sort of like uh, overcome, actually go back to his nature as just like a father. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like sort of leave that bourgeois behind and and sort of go back to his nature as a father to save his daughter. Uh, and that was the other thing that I thought was so interesting was Pele was like, if you're asking me, it's actually her dad who has like the real character arc in the story. Everybody has arcs, but it's like it's really like he has the real full sort of like full circle arc through the whole thing, mm-hmm. uh, which is fascinating to me that the writer is like, yeah, this little side character that you don't even think about that much. He's the, he's the guy that was like a central figure for me when I was conceiving it. That's like really interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, I, don't, I don't know. That's a, you know, to get inside his head like that is. He does have a full arc. Yeah. I think the most, the most uh, satisfying arc to me is the, is the character of Dan. Totally. Just because he goes from desperately wanting to, Desperately wanting to save a life within this system yep. to desperately wanting to save a life. Yes. And it's like... And that minor difference mm-hmm. is how you get to a Herbert West. Yes. And so now we're seeing the beginnings of potentially a new Herbert West. Yep. Uh, at, but we buy it. That's what I love is that like you really buy Dan's turn at the end. Mm-hmm. And, that's, uh, and you know what? That's in part because Dan is a full character, but it's also because Barbara Crampton... What is Barbara Crampton's character's name? Um... Tits McGee. No. No, it's <laughs> what not What is her that. name? It's... Can get to it? Uh, Halsey. Halsey is their last name. Oh, I can do this. What's your name? I just kept calling her Barbara Crampton the whole time. That was the yeah, problem. Yeah, that's the thing. It's, I didn't it's... pay attention. I, was, I just kept calling her Barbara Crampton. She's Barbara Crampton. She's wonderful. Huh? Sorry, I'm I'm like lost in in IMDb. How'd you get lost? Because I I was going too deep, so I'm like backing out of all of my <laughs> reanimator. I went too deep. I, I went into Brian Yuzna, and I it just got. Oh, and now I just oh, found you... out that I actually searched Bride of Reanimator, so now I'm at the. You went so beyond really... Reanimator. I did. <laughs> I went beyond Beyond Reanimator. All right, all right. Here we go. What's her name? Megan Hall. Megan. Jesus right. Meg. Fucking. Yes. Meg. All right. I remember now because he's got the folder that's creepy with her hair in it and it says Meg on it. Uh, uh, and Bruce Abbott plays Dan Kane, which Bruce I just Abbott's. really wanted to be Dean Kane. Dean. Yeah. Because yeah. Because that's a great name. Uh, I was thinking that the whole time because there's Deans in this movie and yes. his last name is Kane. I kept thinking his name was Dean, but then uh, Herbert kept reminding me it's Dan, 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 Dan. What? <laughs> Uh, what was I even saying? Oh, it's because, like, so the reason Dan's arc works is so believable is because he's a great character, but also because Meg is a full character, and when she dies, we really feel her death the way Dan feels her death, because mm-hmm. she's, like, such a well-drawn character. Uh, which and we it, buy it from his descent, too. Like, totally. he was He was willing to follow the books and yep. just be the best doctor he could be. Yep. Now he's a better doctor than he ever hoped, oh, but yeah. he's, like, you know, he fucks the... He, I think the thing that really carries this movie and all of the characters is we forget that's the ultimate discovery. Yes. The one thing that every development of human technology is trying to do yep. is delay, end, reverse, Prevent. or placate the notion of death. Yep. And so 
you ask you have you have to ask the question if somewhere some scientist actually broke the rules, yeah, went beyond any sort of restriction, you know, went beyond Hippocratic oath or whatever, but actually cracked it, right? Do we forgive them, right? You know, it's it's you know do do we use science from hu- that we've gotten illegally from wartime human test subjects mm-hmm. or is that illogical? You know, is that right? Uh, not illogical. Uh, it's logical. Mean, uh, immoral. Immoral. Is that immoral? And and that's a tough question. I can't answer right. it. You know. And I, I actually don't know what the collective answer is on that. I, I have no idea. I don't want to touch it. Yeah. But if it worked, do we forgive that? Right. And so that's the one thing that 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 every character is measuring is how far am I willing to break the rules for that price? Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. Uh, and and everybody gets there in such like a believable way too. Yeah. They really like. Herbert's already there, and we don't even need to know why. He something about his character at works, you know. He's a mad scientist. Yeah, it, I said to you, he's he's uh, Doc Brown. Yeah, only yes. he's skeevy about it instead right. of childlike. But it's yes. the same thing where it's just endless pursuit of wonder. We'll deal with the problems later. They're coming yep. anyway. Yep. Let's make progress. Yeah. He he has that one great line. Um, he's like when the they accidentally kill a guy, uh-huh. and he's laying there dead, and the guy's like, "Oh man, we gotta call the cops. We gotta do yeah. this." And he's like, "This is the freshest body that we ever have, yeah. and every minute you wait, we lose research, yep. we lose information." Get mo- he doesn't care. We'll nope. get to the cops later. Move it forward. Totally, it's wild. Oh, I love it. He and and it's like it's so weird because uh, I said this at the beginning of the movie. One of the great things about this movie is it starts in the movie. We yeah. are just in the movie as soon as it starts. The opening scene is this great sort of you know another it's, morgue it's Herbert scene. Herbert West basically. having killed his yeah. professor. I, it, literally, you could if you wanted to. Once you see the whole movie, you can kind of imagine that everything that takes place over the course of this movie has already happened in a different oh, yeah. country and led to Herbert West at this college. Well, and he got the. Uh, in that time, he, he got the guy alive, but his eyes exploded. Right, and so they're arresting him. But he's just thinking, like, all right, I'll okay, move on to right. another college, yep, and we'll yep. try. The, we'll see yeah. if my teacher there can die. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's crazy. It's great. But you, what's so fascinating is that's our introduction to who is ostensibly the protagonist of this movie. You know what I mean? I mean, oh, he absolutely is. Yeah. He doesn't have to come back in the sequels, but no. he does. Yeah, because we want him. Right. Uh, it's like you could make an argument that Dan's the protagonist, but I, I think ultimately it, it, it is Herbert who we see. Dan's as the, the protagonist, protagonist in my movie. Uh, right. Yes. That's me. Uh, uh, but I think that uh, it's fascinating that we get introduced to him in not a positive light necessarily. He seems like a mad scientist, but the longer the movie goes on, the more you just start going, you are a mad scientist, mm-hmm. but I'm buying into this. I want to see what you can do. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what it is, but I want to walk down this path with you. It's we- the same reason we watch Jackass and we love those guys. Yeah. They're doing terrible things. Yeah. But it's like, well, as long as you're doing it, I yeah. don't have to. I'll watch it. Yeah. I, I want to see what happens too. How far are you going to go? Yeah, I- exactly. And yeah. So, like, he, you know, you have that. Yeah. It's, uh, God, I fucking, that's, that's fine. It's, it's like losing its grip. Oh, no. So uh, I like, can fix that later. Yeah. You're just gonna have to. I think you're gonna have to do that weird holding it with the arm thing. I don't know what. I don't know what to tell you to do. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna sit up like an adult. There you go. That's really what what happens. All right. Okay. I'm there back. you go. You I'm can figure back. it out. Sorry about that. That's all right. Uh, yeah. I uh, I just love. There's also this like uh, the the finale has some of my favorite uh, effects that they get. You know, there's a lot of like cool, fun, weird effects in this movie, but the finale has all this great stuff where. Uh, Dr. Hill has been beheaded, and so we have this character uh, who has been decapitated, mm-hmm. uh, and he's got his head separated. With a shovel. Yeah, with a shovel. He's got his head separated from his body, and they do all this simple shit, like just putting him underneath a table 
so that only his head is oh, above yeah. the table. It pulls off that effect better than Alien did. Oh my god! Remember when the yeah. robot and like from far away, it's just like a little you robot tell. kind yeah. of thing, and then up close, it's the guy's head through yeah. a little cardboard hole. They do that better here than I've ever seen it. And as far as I can tell, it's just an actor yeah. with his body off screen and his head on screen. But there's, there's even shots where it's just it's clear that he's it's not clear. Right, but, but he's the just, only way you can do it is he's just leaning in. He's his body's just yep. out of frame. It never loses yeah. the feel that there's a detached and I think head. That's, it's wild. I think that's got to be him. I think that's got to be that actor being able to do... It's a confluence of him being able to really capture the, yeah, the dangly the headless motion of the head. thing, yeah. But that's direction, too. That is, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's definitely some of the direction. Well, and it's because, you know, it, that's the kind of thing where if you frame that even slightly wrong... I know that's what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Gordon frames every one of those shots like just precisely right that I buy that I'm looking at a decapitated head. I know, I know that that's what he's doing because I know that's how I'm it's done. I'm a movie done. fan, and I know that's how you do it. But you never would think about no. that. No. It totally, you know, you take the pill. It, it uh, What's the word? Uh, I don't know. It holds back reality oh. in some kind of way. I forget what it I, is. I thought you were going to try. Willful suspension of disbelief yes. is not required because your belief... Your disbelief is suspended. I thought you were going to drop a verisimilitude on me. Oh, no, 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 no. No, I don't smoke enough, so when I do, I, I lose all the words. Uh-huh. Uh, I uh, I couldn't even describe that phenomenon. That was bad news. That's, uh, that's there we fine. go. Okay. You got um, hmm. uh, speaking of not being able to describe a phenomenon, that's the most H.P. Lovecraft thing about this movie is what happens to Herbert at the end. Mm-hmm. I couldn't explain it to you. I have no idea what's happening there. He's getting... Well, what happens, yes. as far as I can tell, yes. he's knocked over by uh-huh. a corpse, uh-huh. and then the corpse's intestines now jettison out of its, his body. He's overdosed that corpse. He overdosed the corpse with the, um, with because the, of a theory that he with had. With green color. With green color, which if you get in, if I give you some green color, you will ask for more. <laughs> you will say that you've never felt this way before. More on that later. <laughs> um, and this, this creature starts to disassemble itself, yes. this human body, and its intestines are dragging Herbert West. Yep. Apparently into an alternate universe through a so. void. I don't there's, know what's going there's on. There's like a light emitting from yeah. the open body, and there's smoke everywhere. I don't know what's happening. I'm gonna I, look up the Herbert West story on Wikipedia. Yeah, and see if there's some sort of a oh, like uh, if it says anything about is oh yeah, what is the story called? Is it is it called, called Reanimator? Herbert West Reanimator. Oh, interesting. Uh, oh, as if he is the Reanimator. Yes. Well, uh, it's it's an introduction of that character, which. I guess this movie is. Yeah. Now, uh, do you know enough about Lovecraft? Does that character like play out in other uh, Lovecraft stories? I don't know enough. But here's a funny quote. Yeah. Um, Lovecraft scholar S.T. Joshi claims that Herbert West Reanimator is, quote unquote, universally acknowledged as Lovecraft's poorest work. Whoa. I've not read a lot of Lovecraft. I will say the best thing about Lovecraft, what's scary, it's not, it's actually not that well written in terms of the prose. Sure. But the way that he describes these things, it doesn't feel like fiction. Yeah. And I think that that's actually almost as a function of his lack of prose. Is yeah. It, it feels like you're reading an encyclopedia of just this crazy existence that only Lovecraft has visited before. Right. So that's what's scary about it is that as he's talking about it, you go, you know, this is Cthulhu is not a real thing. Right. But the way he's talking about it, I'm afraid I might run into one one day. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, it's, yeah. It's weird like that. That's interesting. Yeah. It, now, and you know, now that you said that it's considered his poorest story, uh, I kind of have a memory now of Paoli saying something to the effect of, 
when uh, when they came to us and said they wanted to do a Lovecraft movie, we specifically chose the one that we knew no one would give a shit if we fucked it up. Ah, that makes sense. There yeah. you go. And then yeah. they ended up making it like the most definitive uh, one. Yes, it, it is. I think the singular Lovecraft adaptation that people consider like good, and they've and this same team has done others that uh, people are generally mixed on. You know. Uh, and I think there's been quite a few Lovecraft adaptations, even outside of of these guys making three or four of them. Mm. Uh, but I'm not I'm not familiar enough to to know. Well, I know Dagon is right. That's a Lovecraft. Um, yeah, I don't know. I really don't know enough about Lovecraft to really speak with any I, sort of authority. I know I've read maybe my buddy lent me the Necronomicon years oh, yeah. ago, and I just paged through like ten stories. Which I believe the Evil Dead movies are like loosely inspired by, yeah, right? A bit. Like the they the that's why they call it the Necronomicon within within the the series because I think it's like a little bit based on well, some of like the ideas homage. from it. Yeah, it's well, and see that's the thing that maybe that also helped too. The Necronomicon reads like oh the Encyclopedia of the Monster right, World. Yeah, you know? yeah. And so there's all these stories that are within it. I, I, the only reason I borrowed it was because at the time, Guillermo... I can never say his name. Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo del Toro yeah. was going to do uh, At the Mouth of Madness or whatever at the, it's called. At the Mountains of Madness. At the Mountains of Madness. Yeah. I'm thinking of that Sam Neill movie, which rules. It really rules. And um, I think is actually loosely Lovecraft-inspired. Yeah. That's why it's called In the Mouth of Madness. Mm. Yeah. So there you go. That's yeah. why I read it. But it was... I can see that just being like, oh, in, in this world where Miskatonic University yep. is, meet Herbert West. Yeah. He also dabbles. You know, I yeah. read a lot of Stephen King. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Even in like right now, I'm working through Dark Tower. But yep. even in his books that are not linked through, I mean, they're all linked through the Tower, apparently. Yeah. But there's just a certain quality to his world. It is the real world, but all of his novels take place in it. Right. You know, and it's just become understood. So you start to when you tap into the Stephen King world, there's certain understandings that you just implicitly know if you're a regular reader. Right. With with the Necronom, with a uh, H.P. Lovecraft, that that kind of thing is there too, but it's your world, right? You know, he it's you know it doesn't it doesn't feel like a separate world, for right? Us. It's, it's wild. It's like a a world outside of our understanding encroaching upon ours, or, yes. or something yeah. like that. It, yeah, it exists parallel to us, and we're always at the cusp of yeah, it. You know? Yeah, like we're almost a a spud off of that world. They pull that off in this movie, actually, where it's oh, like yeah. I don't feel like this takes place in like some sort of alternate universe where these things are happening. This is. Very much a Frankenstein story. This is mm -hmm. a mad scientist that I believe exists in my world that has figured something wild out, you know? Uh, I do really like that the structure of this movie is just, like, all mostly set around the college. Mm -hmm. uh, 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 Dan's apartment is, like, the other place. And then we get to the morgue and we never leave. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like the last, like, half hour of this movie is all at that morgue. Having not seen it in a while and just remember not remembering the, you know, the plot specifics yeah. of it, when it was, when we reached the ending, it was like, oh... Oh, that this is the ending. This is it. You yeah, know, this is the thing. And and there was never a point where I felt like we were leading to there. Right. And so it, it feels very natural getting mm -hmm. there. Like out of all these set pieces, they milk them to not be uh, set pieces as such. Totally. Get more water. Do it. Uh, that was uh, another thing that I was super impressed by. Um, you and I talk a lot about uh, geography in movies, and uh, uh, you know a lot of the the stakes of action sequences are often better, more clear, and make for better action sequences when the geography of the where the action is taking place is well I would say well a lack of geography mitigates the action sequence entirely. Fuck yeah. you, shaky cam. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, and Gordon is another like master of that geography. We get these great shots in the first minutes of the movie 
leading us into the morgue, seeing how large the initial space in the morgue is, and then letting us know that the freezer is to the left, mm -hmm. and there is a big metal door that leads to said freezer. Oh, and we, they frame everything. There's an axe on the wall yep. down the hallway. It's there. It yep. lets you know. Uh, the head that he eventually, the head that uh, Dr. Hill eventually wears is introduced in an earlier scene. That's great, too, because it's played almost as a gag yep. where he's leaning on it and trying to be sexy, but talking it, about the brain. Exactly. It's so funny. Yeah, it's uh, he, he does all of that great geographic stuff to just sort of establish every little thing. You know, it's again, to make another Back to the Future reference, it's like the opening of Back to the Future. He sets up all the dominoes and he spends the movie knocking them down. It reminded me of Tremors like that. Oh, yeah. Where... You can tell the budget was like, we can build three sets, uh -huh. so let's make them great sets, yep. and let's use all of it. Yes. And so then as a result of that, you have to show all of it. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost a foregone conclusion that the geography will be tight just because there's there's no reason to to hide what you have there yes, because right. you, you bought it all. You, you got to show it. You put all your yeah. money into that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's it feels like a real hospital, and we see two rooms of it. Totally. But it captures each of those rooms is so genuine to the hospital, and they show so much of it that you can build the rest. Yeah. You know what the least realistic thing in Reanimator is? The padded room inside of Dr. Hill's office. Uh, it's padded on two sides, yep. so it really does not serve function if someone actually wanted to throw themselves against the wall. Yep. And it's, uh, yeah, it's in an office. It's got a two-way mirror and everything. <laughs> yep. That's the least realistic thing in this movie. This, but that's see, that's one of those things, though, that at Miskatonic University yes, in this right. world, the dean of the hospital area of this college will also have a padded room uh -huh. where potentially violent, psychotic subjects uh -huh. might be needed to study while he's doing paperwork. Uh -huh. It's just what they do there. Yeah, that's a, pesc that's a Pescatonic way. Miskatonic. Miskatonic way. Miskatonic, yes. What Pescatonic's the rival school. Yeah. They're, they're, the, they're the fat kid's school, and every year they have, like, a race, <laughs> and uh, the the Miskatonic snobs always win, and the fat kid's got to go home and pull themselves up by their bootstraps. There's a monkey in it. It's wild. Ah, that's the plot of Heavyweights. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Precisely. Uh, there was no monkey in Heavyweights. I don't no, believe. I don't think so. Uh, well, hey, you know, careful what you call those kids. Yeah. Uh, they're I, little hooligans. <laughs> I don't care what they weigh, the little monkeys. <laughs> Uh, I, I fuck it. I just love. There's something about the like the energy of this movie too. It like really moves at like a brisk pace. Mm. And by the time you get to the finale, the finale is like so. It's like that thing where you were saying it's like they build this set. They put a lot of money into getting like a really nice set, a big set that they can really make a lot of, so that they can fucking tear it down at the end. Oh yeah. The finale is like there's just so much happening, but it's all like really well shot and edited and stuff, so it's all very clear, but there's a ton of shit happening in that finale, which makes it so fun. I love like those kind of like madhouse endings that some horror movies have, mm. where it's just like every thread that we've laid out is now all going to be pulled at the same time. You know what I mean? And, and just the walls are going to come caving in on in this it's movie. the big end of the fireworks show. Yeah. They introduce all the little different types of the ring, and then that yeah. one's a star, and, all, yeah. and then all at once, the yeah. big finale. Love it. And you need that geography for that. Yes. You know, otherwise it would just be... Just be it would be mania. Yeah. And what's cool is that they actually don't have to... If you watch the way the scene flows... They don't really have to keep up with the time continuity. No. Like, if you're, they're showing a guy getting strangled, yep. and then we cut away to someone else's adventure, and it cuts mm -hmm. back to that guy being strangled, it doesn't register as any sort of a uh, a lapse in time because no. of the way that they've set up this geography. They're, it's... It's almost like a compact version of, of an episode of a TV show mm -hmm. where it's like, let's check in with this. Let's right. check in with that. Yep. And they do that all in just that final sequence mm -hmm. until it all just becomes one sequence. Yeah. Yes. It's so fucking... 
I can't believe I thought this was one of those movies that was just neat. Yeah. Because oh, it's gory, it's cool, yeah. it's it's kitschy, it's cl- it's fucking good. It's really good. It, it's a masterclass in how to structure a story, construct yep. a movie, yep. and get your actors to, to really use everything that, that oh, totally. Wow, I'm in love with this movie. I really I'm love about it. to drop a five star. I think I, I think it's, it's gonna happen. I'm pretty sure the last time I watched it, it, it went from a four to a five because I I've, so this this was perfect. probably the third or fourth time I've seen it, and it just. Every time I watch it, I, I I'm just blown away by how entertained I am by it again. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It, it, there, you know, because there's there are great movies that I think I've probably given five stars that I may never watch in my life again. Yeah. yeah. This movie I could watch a hundred more times. I think it's just like wildly entertaining. Uh, and, well, and you said it. You said it reminds you of a. I don't remember. Drive-in movie. Drive-in movie. Totally. It feels like a drive-in it, movie. It totally does. And. Uh, in that sense, too, at a drive-in movie, you don't always pay attention to the movie because right. you're paying attention to the environment. But this is a movie that if it was on TV and I checked in every 30 minutes, I might not know what's going on, but I'd know everything I need to know for yep. that moment to work with full effect. Totally. That's fucking awesome. Totally. No fat. No, not at all. I, this movie is so fucking lean. It's crazy. Mm. It, it's like lean to the point where... there, And this is actually kind of smart storytelling. It, it, like... There are scenes where I'm not exactly sure what's happening until I'm two, three minutes into the scene. Mm. There's so little fat on this movie, and it moves at such a clip. We sort of constantly end up in a new scene where characters are just talking about things. Oh, it's already in progress. Yeah, yeah. and we have to just kind of we have to spend a minute kind of like catching up with them and figuring out what the conversation has been about and what the drive of the scene is, which is great because then once you're there, a that keeps you active for those first couple of minutes, and then once you're there, we're already moving. You know, the butt has already happened. The yeah, and yeah, butt yeah. Uh, has already happened, and now we're whoa, focused on the next thing. It just pulls you along. It's so good. I'm. I'm I know. I don't even know what else to say about it. <laughs> we're honestly going to end up gushing about it. One of the things that I wanted to point out, I do have a note here, is uh, that Herbert West is a good doctor. Yes, he he doesn't have the Hippocratic oath on his side, but he's no. a good doctor. Uh huh. Um, he's he's a good gatherer of information, yes. which is almost what you want in a doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, he's mad about it. It's it's he's he's obsessed. definitely off his rocker. He's obsessed. But uh, the one prime example is uh, when they find their first dead body yes. that they want to reanimate. It's going to be their first human subject, and Dan goes, "Oh, oh no, uh, Herbert." He mm-hmm. looks at it first and describes he's like it has no family. Yep. Uh, we have no cause of death. Yeah, John just drop dead. It's a John Doe. We knew nothing about it. It's almost perfect. Yeah. And then Dan says, why almost perfect? He's like, well, you know, he could have heart problems. Yeah. And he's just immediately, yeah. he has diagnosed it perfectly, yeah. figured out what's going on, and then is already yeah. on to the next bit of research. Because the guy dropped dead, so he assumes, like, well, his heart must have stopped, so could maybe he's got heart. heart problems. Could have been a stroke, yep. you know. But he's, he's already on point. Yep. And it's just because of his inquisitive nature. Yeah. But he's going to get that research. Oh, yeah. That uh, that scene, by the way, has another one of my favorite jokes in the movie, where they're looking at the toe tags, trying to figure out which body oh, yeah, will be yeah. best. And so they're, he, Herbert's reading off the causes of death, and he's like, you know, he's like burn victim and uh, car accident. Well, he tags the earlier joke because when the guy's uh, wheeling him in as a fake corpse, oh, right. he's like, oh, you got hit by a truck, total meatball. So yeah. that the guard oh, yeah, doesn't right. look he's at like, it. That's a meatball. He's like, There's your meatball. Yeah. <laughs> that's and he's we re- see him too. Oh yeah, which he's is gnarly. Who, he yeah. is a meatball. <laughs> Uh, and then he pulls one up and he looks at it sideways and goes, malpractice. Mm-hmm. That is fucking one of my favorite jokes in the well, movie. Well, the question is, is, is the that tag labeled the malpractice? Tag? Yeah. Or is he just making a supposition about this About this whatever that medical cause of college? death is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's so skeptical. Yes. Uh, so we didn't actually get into that. Let's yeah. talk about that. Please. So it's, it's the, bur- the bourgeois yes. versus the, uh, you know, like the scrappy guy. Yeah, yep. And the, I think it's called the proletariat in the actual. I think it's yes, the actual he's a, he's parallel, a prole, right? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a prole. He drinks yeah. victory gin. Yeah. He yeah. does that. He's uh, 
but it's also almost the same thing about the movie. Yeah. You know, if this movie had money and followed all the rules right. to be a Hollywood production, it would probably be shitty. Yeah. But the scrappy guy who's willing to push a little bit beyond little what is bit. generally accepted as, you know, as acceptable. Yeah. You know, I'll, you know let's have a, a head eat out I, a lady. I was going to say, there's stuff that is bordering on poor taste in this. They, they push it there, yep. and in doing that, end up making the better movie totally. than they cleaned... You know, the cleaned up reanimator made by yeah. you know, whatever studio. Yeah. And so it, it does. I mean, I don't know if that's on purpose, but it does have that parallel to it, that. It definitely and does. So there is a little bit of why we end up rooting for Herbert West is mm-hmm. because we're, we're kind of rooting for the underdog. Yeah. You know, it's like, I, I don't think you're right. Right. But I really think you're capable. And I would hate to see such wasted potential. And your energy is, you know, it's. And as far as the what the movie delivers to us, I mean, Herbert's a weird enough guy that I don't know if I could say this definitively. But as far as what the movie gives us, Doctor Hill is the truly villainous one oh, yeah. who is who wants power and wants to use all this for power. Herbert truly seems to just want to be able to do like he is enamored with his discovery, not with the power that will come from that discovery. Exactly. Dr. Hill wants fame. Yeah. When he says, oh, my discovery is going to be what makes me famous. We will be famous. So he he wants that. Herbert West, well, okay, we'll go to the other end. Yeah. Dan just wants to help He really wants to cure death. He wants to cure death. Yeah, that's important to him. He got into the medical, and you wonder if they all got into the medical field and were just perverted either by the system or by... yeah. But Herbert, I don't think he wants glory. No. I don't think he wants to actually help no he just wants the satisfaction of knowing he, he essentially wants to be god yeah he wants the satisfaction of knowing that he did it yeah he beat the thing that couldn't yes. be beat he doesn't want the notoriety yep. he wants his own personal satisfaction mm-hmm. that he's that fucking good yeah and I, I think that's where we that's uh part of where we are able to latch on to him as a not heroic character necessarily but as a protagonist is that distinct difference between him and Hill. Mm-hmm. You know, Hill really wants the power from it, and Herbert just really wants the discovery. And that, I think, we can buy into a little more uh, than we can Hill, obviously. Oh, yeah. Um, it's less easy to vilify. But it's like a thin line, you know, which is, like, so interesting. Well, we vilify Hill because we all have a little bit of him in us. Yeah. You know, there's every single one of us has their price of where they will sell out mm-hmm. for comfort over their their desire, their yeah, passion, yeah, like yeah. that. And so, in a way, you admire Herbert because mm-hmm. he is not going to sell No, he's out. so committed, yeah. But at the same time, too, like, that type of thing does have a tendency to crash and burn. It's going to lead to him and getting so, committed. <laughs> yeah, it, well, it's going to yeah. lead to him getting sucked into another portal by an intestines monster. <laughs> yeah. You know, but it's... But that also, too, there's, there's a little bit of that allegory there, too. What causes that to happen? When he goes too much. Right. And he doesn't, he hasn't measured. Nope. He hasn't done the experiment. Nope. He says, oh, this is a theory I've always had. Yeah. Overdose. And he knows it's like, the, this is the last, I'm ne- uh, this is the end for, you know yeah, what I mean? He's yeah. like, this is pure chaos. There's not, we, if, but he's such a, he's such I an obsessed know. man of science. I need yeah. to know. Yeah. And, and even there, it almost doesn't seem like he's trying to save the day. No. It's, oh, well, that's nice. It'll save the day, but let's see. Let's yeah. see what happens. Yeah. Oh, I love him. It's yeah, he's such a fascinating He's actually character. I'm thinking he reminds me of Steve Jobs. Yeah. Um he I know Steve Jobs is is an asshole yeah. by by all accounts of anyone who is personally acquainted right. with him. He was a bit of a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that documentary about Steve Jobs, the question that every there's one guy who's actually crying because he gave so much of his life to Apple, right. lost his wife over it and stuff, mm-hmm. and he was like, "I I hate Steve Jobs every day." But when I look at Apple, I go there's only one person mm. he's crying as he says this. Mm-hmm. there's only one person who could have made it yeah 
and it's you know Herbert West. Herbert West. Yeah. He, you know, I I do not want to work for him. No. I don't even really want to support his research. Right. But the day that we get to beat death, yeah, there will only have been one person capable, and it's the Herbert West. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, we, oh man, Steve Jobs. That that is maybe, and who knows? Maybe that's something they were going for here. Is that's like. What a scary thought that, like, what happens when we do reach that day where somebody cures death? Is it Herbert West? You know what I mean? Is is the only person that does get that far Herbert West? Mm-hmm. And so do we have to deal with this scary reality that if, should this ever happen in, in our real world, like somebody actually figures this out, does that mean, will it be a Herbert West character? You know, do we have to deal with the reality that it might be like a Herbert West-like character? A lot of people had to plummet to their death madly before we got planes right so yeah you know these are the let's i said this when we were watching it uh herbert west's distant cousin kanye west uh-huh. the dude uh, he he's brilliant yeah he does crazy things uh-huh. he acts like a goofball um i also think he's just he knows how to get press he's good at that yeah yeah but nobody but kanye west could make a kanye west right. song yeah and i want that yeah you know I, that's i root for him yeah there's a, there's a, a real uh, uh, unique, distinct, specific brilliance uh, to him. So looking up uh, Reanimator, I'm waiting for the picture to load again. But all the characters have some pretty good names. But my favorite character name is One Arm Man Corpse. Uh huh. And the actor who plays him, I'm getting a nice large picture here. Um, if you look at his headshot, he he is indeed in his headshot featured prominently with his hook hand. His hook hand. So I mean, of course, that's how you get a an armless zombie yes. in a movie is you yep. hire an amputee. Yep. But I just love that. Yeah, yeah. You know, when when people who would get hired, like there's there's a whole uh, there was a while where I wanted to be a stuntman. Yep. I was researching stunt uh-huh. schools. There were more schools for amputees yep. that. Uh, you know, could just be featured in an explosion. Totally. You know, it's like we need someone to have their arm ripped off. Yep. That's a very good way to do it. Yeah. So I love that his headshot oh, includes yeah. that because it's like, listen, this is my I'm a good point. actor and you want me as your character. But let's say you also have another guy who gets eaten by a dinosaur. Yeah, 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 Check I can the do hook. That too. Yeah, yeah. Check it. <laughs> What's this movie you're making? Hook? Check the hook. <laughs> Fucking check it. Craig Reed. Yeah. Uh I think I think I'm I think I'm out. I've emptied the tank on reanimator. Yeah, there's not much to say, just that it's really fucking good. It's a good. fucking really, really fantastic really movie. Good. It's fun. It's, it's weird. It's a school in how to milk the most yes. out of... You don't need a lot of flair if you've got a great way of presenting that flair. Right. And this movie presents three rooms, mm-hmm. 10 gallons of blood max, mm-hmm. some makeup effects, and some emptied out glow sticks and syringes. Yeah. That's it. Super effective. But the way it's presented ends up drawing us in. Yeah. It's it's what it's all about. It's, yeah, it's just uh, you know, uh, classy classic construct, you know, story construction really. Mm-hmm. Uh that that quick pace that that always ending a scene on a but instead of a then. It's it's, it's a movie movie. Stuff. It uses yeah, it is. Oh, let's talk about that. Let's yeah. talk about the music. The music oh my is God. absolutely it's fantastic. So we could probably do it. And it's got to be a riff on on Psycho. I think a little bit because I think the Psycho music when Janet Lee is driving in her car is like a you know it's it's the I'm gonna find that. Oh, dude, that theme is fantastic. And I was saying at the end of the movie, it's like you know a movie is fucking working on it's firing on all cylinders when uh so and I'll describe the scene to to play it out for the audience. Dan, the main character at the end, uh uh is standing over Meg's dead body 
and he knows for sure Meg is now dead. He's very much in love with Meg. And suddenly, the theme starts playing. Dun, 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 dun. I just did the Star Wars theme. You, kind yeah, of. so you started uh, doing the I did Phantom Dual Menace. Fates, Dual Fates. Uh, but uh, you know that music starts playing, and immediately we know, oh, the gears are turning for Dan. He's a gonna go get the green color, and he's gonna he's gonna <laughs> yeah, use it to reanimate her. You know, uh, it, it, I this movie is so effective that as soon as that theme plays, Dan doesn't have to do anything. We know exactly what's going on in Dan's head yep. as soon as that theme starts playing. That's fucking really effective movie making. And, you know, really effective score, too. I, I, the, every Psycho video I'm looking up is just... Wee, wee, yeah, wee. of course it is. I think this might be one of them. But Bernard Herman, I'm actually going to look it up because I bet that there is a connection between the two. Probably. Let's see. That's pretty close. That's really close. Yeah. That's really close. Yeah. I that, It has to be a riff on this. Yeah. All right, so that's Bernard Herrmann. Let's go back to Reanimator. Look up the Are we Re-Animator about to crack score. this open? Yeah, I think so. So the music. Oh, I'm still at the one-armed actors. Uh, the fugitive. Uh, I don't know how to work IMDb but anymore. Just research Reanimator. You should be able to scroll right to the top and have a search bar. Oh no, I'm on Reanimator. I'm oh. just trying to find. Oh, there music. we go. All cast and crew. So the music, the composer, is Richard Band. Oh, that's a band that is uh, the producer, uh, Empire Pictures producer. I can't remember his name. It's Charles some, Band. Charles Band. Yeah. That's his brother who scored a lot of the Empire Pictures movies. I'm just going to Google reanimator score. Psycho. Psycho. Do it. It's got to be. Richard Brand. 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 Richard Band on... Scoring reanimator. Um, it, there's a lot of there's a lot of links here. So this is actually him on it. Dead air, guys. Dead air. Oh, that's fine. Uh, Richard Band's recent film score for the. This is an old article. Yeah. Oh, no, 2015 for the. Oh no, okay. Sparked considerable controversy in the film music community due to its prominent use of a theme obviously derived from Bernard Herrmann's famous Psycho main title music. Definitely. Some critics have even gone as far to cry plagiarism. Interviewed in November 1985, shortly after the release of Reanimator, Band candidly spoke out on his approach to scoring the film and his use of the Herrmann motif. So let's see. We're going to scroll down to... Yeah, I'm curious what that quote would be. Well, he says here... Um, he wanted humor in the music. My approach was to match some of the bizarreness of the movie, but to add a lot of humor that I didn't feel came through as much as it would without humorous music. I hmm. think that that's valid. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have noted the similarity between your main theme for Reanimator and the Bernard Herrmann psycho music. His response, no coincidence. So yeah, oh, he was wow, definitely, yeah, yep, yeah. Yep. And it's not no coincidence. It's yeah, no yeah. coincidence. No coincidence, yeah. Um, oh, so, okay. Um their question, it seems to mix a lot of things from symphonic to pop-style stuff to very eerie electronic synthesis. His quote, exactly. It called for a kind of mishmash of things, all, uh, all with a degree of humor, and obviously that's the way I started out the picture, by utilizing a familiar Bernard Herrmann feel for the main title sequence to start off on the footing of that <clears throat> start, to start off on the footing that people should not take this as an extremely serious movie. So yes, it is. That's interesting that he wanted to call Psycho to people's memories to let them know it's not a serious movie. <laughs> well, I mean, Psycho's not too serious of a movie. I guess. In, I mean, I guess in 
when did Psycho come out? The late fifties, early. 60s? You know what? It does have so, kind of a sense of so humor. Twenty years post, yeah. there's going to be the way we feel yeah. about Reanimator, Reanimator now, where there's totally, some goof yeah. to it. Plus, uh, there's four sequels that are all pretty goofy. Uh, you just reminded me, by the way, of another fucking great thing in this movie, which is in Dan's apartment. The first time we're in there, uh, he and Barbara Gordon are Barbara Gordon. Jesus Christ, that's the name of Batgirl, I think. Uh, yes. Barbara, Crampton. Barbara uh, Crampton. He and Meg straight out of Crampton. Yeah, uh, he and Meg uh, apparently have just had sex. And uh, they're joking around in Dan's bed, and uh, the poster on his wall is for the Talking Heads. Yes, that's which is brilliant. a great fucking uh, foreshadowing of the, uh, in the movie. Chekhov's band poster. I'm reading some more about this uh, Bernard Herrmann thing. Apparently, yeah. people were somewhat upset about it, and uh, so th- this is their question. Some critics have not been terribly terribly pleased by the similarity. From some of the reviews that I've heard, has that caused any problems as far as any feedback you've received? He says, just the opposite. In fact, I've read and quoted close to 40 reviews that revered the music, especially the humorous treatment of the Bernard Herrmann thing. It's been, in fact, 95% very, very positive. I love that he had a number. He was like, I've oh, read yeah. 40 reviews. Well, he's probably a strange guy. Yeah. Just, but he was, he's probably been interviewed a million times about it. Yeah. Um, from the standpoint of the hum- Herman purists, who would perhaps be who would perhaps be incensed at the use of his style in that particular cue? How would you answer to some of their complaints that may arise as far as you're using a revered composer and you're taking a piece of his music and transforming or reanimating it into something <laughs> different? He has the best response. My answer would be that Bernard had a very wry sense of humor and he would probably laugh very loudly at it, and they should do likewise. <laughs> That's amazing. So well, yeah, it was very psycho inspired. That's that's I awesome. think it works though because it really works in this it movie. It has that that weird psychosis. There's like a carnival feel to yeah, it. In yeah. This. yeah. Well, we 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 aren't as afraid of Herbert West when he's got a mad idea, right? Because it 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 tweaks that little piece in us of the like, ooh, okay, ooh, yes, let's see what he'll do. Yeah. Luckily, this is a movie and not me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He can do it for us. Yep. Yeah, because it definitely. I mean. You know, it is not used for what it's, you know, in Psycho, that music is not used the way it's used here. here That's it's, Marion's traveling music. Yeah, yeah, here it's used as, like, madness. That yeah. is that is the representation of a, you mean a, like, a mad new thought. Like psychosis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. But, like, a mad new thought, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like, a, that's the wheels always how it's used. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so it does have that kind of, it gives you that inkling of, like, oh, I'm interested to see what Herbert's about to do, you know? Mm. Uh, yeah. oh, and also, kudos to Reanimator for completely foregoing any attempt at trying to explain the science. Oh, my God, yeah. That is the best, yep. that's the smartest move. Yep. All they did was he had a notebook, and yep. another doctor looked at it and said, this is brilliant. Brilliant. Yep. Awesome. Yep. Brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> With his jowls. Yeah. But yeah, there, there's none of that. Yep. Ever, I guarantee you if Reanimator was made today, there would be some hackneyed attempt to try and explain the science, and that is not why we're there. Yeah. Nobody put, what's the Grant Morrison thing? Nobody fills Batman's tires. That's right. It's fiction. Yep. No, we don't need to know the science. You just need the just green works. color. That's it. Yeah, exactly. And you'll ask for more. Yeah. You'll see that you've never felt this way before. <laughs> you'll party without that. Okay. And um, that and and uh, when it starts to expound upon the rules, yeah. where the, the guy's head starts to have some sort of psychic control yes, over his yes. body, fine. Cool. We don't need the science to no. explain that. It just is. No, Go and they, it. you know, they get there by allowing, you know, at certain point, Doctor Hill's body is walking around without his head. It's like they slowly get us mm-hmm. to this point where I don't know, he's fucking controlling other dead bodies with his decapitated head. I don't know. You yeah, know, you know? shit's weird. Yeah, shit's weird. That's yeah. what you end up doing. I fucking I love this movie so much. So it is a tweak on yes. a uh, on a Frankenstein motif. Certainly, some sort of update of a classic. Yep, yep. Update of a classic, a reanimation, if you will. Yes, and I. That will. is going to be the theme of our list this week. Yeah, is taking classic horror movie 
you know, direct plots, themes, ideas, or whatever, and that were reworked into other properties. And so we're picking out some examples of that. So don't reanimate your feet just yet. Sit still. And uh, th- that's a reference to Dr. Reanimator's video. Uh-huh. I'm sure we'll link to it on the page in case anyone wants to know what all this reanimate. Did your you feet. do all horror movies? I, d- I, um, sort of. Okay. I did and didn't. Like, they're all, they're all like arguable horror movies. Um, I have to cut one because I have six. So I, I didn't think, entirely. Mine kind well, of bounces around. I'm going to cut this because it's actually just, it's such a direct homage. It's not a rethinking. And it's Edward Scissorhands as a Frankenstein story. I thought about that. So we're going we're gonna to cut that. I mean, th- yeah. that was down to Vincent Price created him in a lab. Uh-huh. It, it, literally Vincent. You know, so it's, it's not quite what we're doing here. Well, I'll, I'll hit you with one that is along those lines for, for my number five is Frankenweenie. Uh, the original Frankenweenie uh, nice. that I grew up with. I, that was on Disney Channel a lot when I was a kid. I've never seen it. It's really, really good. Actually, I heard the, the animated one, the new one, like the, I bet it's good. I hear it's good. It's it's just. I'm like, not out on Tim Burton just yet. Yeah, and he's done enough good that I'm okay with putting yeah, up with this garbage. I'm interested to see his Peregrine Home X Men movie, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Uh, Apparently, those books are awesome. That's what I heard. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, Frankenweenie is really good. It's the the original one is like black and white. It's got real, so it has like a classic Frankenstein feel. Uh, but it's the story of a boy and his dog, and a boy who's so in love with his dog he doesn't want to let him pass, and so he finds a way to bring him back. That's awesome. Yeah, it's you know, so it's like watch it. it's a cool twist on the you know, it's almost a Herbert West twist on the Frankenstein story where it's like no, he just he loves this thing, he needs it back. You know, it, it's not the mad scientist for purely madness it's it's a it's a kid he wants his dog back it's uh it's cool it's, it's real good i like it recommend all right well we're gonna keep it in themes of that my number five is actually also a tim burton film ah mars attacks oh yeah I thought it about is that a too. riff on on war of, war the, of the worlds it is based directly on a trading card set yes. from the 50s of you know which had the the brain alien designs yep. but i'm actually i forget what is it that eventually kills the uh the martian ships oh good question i do remember the end of the movie where their heads are all just kind of exploding oh is it a song that makes all their heads explode that's what it is yes right? it's um it's uh what's it called uh oh here it is oh slim whitman's indian love call um okay so yeah so that's actually that that's why i think it's key in keeping in theme with war of the worlds because i was talking to someone about it today and they said what about independence day uh-huh. and i said independence day does not fit the war of the worlds archetype for me um it it is i mean of course it yeah. is a riff yeah, on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. but the reason why i don't think that it that it matches is that the key point of war of the worlds is what kills them yes and it's the bacteria on our planet they mm-hmm. weren't ready yet so even though they had the superior technology, they had not yet earned their right to Earth yet. Right. We've made a pact with Earth. We've made a deal with Earth. And right. we're always trying to kill each other. But, you know, there's a, there's a deal, and it's our immunity to certain things. Right. They didn't have that immunity. Right. Mars Attacks does fit that yes. mold, whereas awful yodeling music is they something that prepared. I don't necessarily want to hear. But they, they have no concept of that right. yet. They have not earned their yeah. right to this planet. They were going to discover yodeling sooner. Uh huh. Oh, I, I love, love that. that. So that is some more of the worlds. That's good. Uh, so here, here, ready? This is a fun one. Uh, keeping in in horror, Army of Darkness. That is actually number four on my list. Hey, hey is well, it because of a Connecticut Yankee? Of course it is. Court? Yes, it is. 
Uh, it is. That story has been adapted a, a ton of times. There was like a, a kid in King Arthur's I was going to say, there was a kid in King Arthur's Thomas court when Ian I was growing Nicholas. up. I remember Black Knight uh, with Martin Lawrence. Remember that? <laughs> I was having this conversation with a friend today, and both of those movies came up. Yes. Yep. Uh, this story has been done Aaron so many Herzog times. used to do an amazing joke when The Dark Knight first came out oh, about yeah. how he couldn't wait to see what further adventures Martin Lawrence <laughs> could get into in this one. That's, That's the next one, joke. The Dark Knight. It's, it, and it's weird because nobody saw Black Knight. Yeah. Everybody knows Black Everybody Knight. Everybody got that joke. <laughs> it's yep. insane. Yep. Uh, yeah, that story has been adapted so many times. It's mm-hmm. a great classic story. And Army of Darkness is probably my favorite version of it. It's, it's pretty awesome. It's just great. Uh, it, it is such a weird... Uh, what a weird idea. Just to, at the outset. We've had two essentially zombie movies. Is that what you would call the Evil Dead movies? Maybe not. Yeah, zombie possession movies. Yeah, zombie possession movies. Woods horror. Yeah. That, he uh, does find the book in the second one that depicts him in the third one, yes. as the li- which is insane to me. It, yeah, uh, and and then we just we do this fucking time travel or warp to another dimension that's medieval, and now you're the hero of this. Yeah, it's fucking. I I love that it's a it, that that's what they decided to do with that movie. Well, now I'm curious to see how a Connecticut Yankee ends. Oh, I have no idea. I doubt uh, it ends in an S mart. No, it doesn't end in an S mart. He, um, let's see, where is the plot here? I'm not that familiar with the actual story. Oh, like the in device. fact, you know, if I had to tell you, my real familiarity with that story is probably a kid in King Arthur's Court. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like. I I only happen to know as much about it as I do because of that movie. Wow, they really went into like full detail here. You on the Wikipedia? So he, uh, okay. Oh, there's spells and, oh, this is crazy. Okay. So uh, one night, Clarence, who I'm assuming is the main character now, um, finds Merlin. Oh, no, Hank's the main character. Hank, that's great. (laughs) Um, He's putting a spell over Hank, proclaiming that he will sleep for 1,300 years. Merlin begins laughing deliriously, but ends up electrocuting himself on one of the electric wires. Clarence and the others all apparently die from disease in the cave. More than a millennium later, the narrator finishes the manuscript and finds Hank on his deathbed having a dream about Sandy. He attempts to make one last effect for... Okay, so they actually do the thing where he sleeps to yep. come back in present day, which is the alternate ending yes. of Army of Darkness. That is. That's so funny. But they so turn they it really into the... Uh, I slept too long. Uh-huh. That's fucking... That's so crazy. Good. Well, that was my number four, so you got to awesome. go on to some right. number three. Uh, I might have to start dipping out of horror here because I was more... I, I was sort of concentrating on like real like classic literature mm-hmm. and like the some of the updates people have done to classic literature uh th- so this is a fun one uh Monty Python and the Holy Grail oh yeah it's just Arthurian legend they just took Arthur you know the the legend of Arthur and turned it into its entirely its own thing mm-hmm. that movie is like not at all what that legend is like you know what i mean but it it take everything is based in that legend uh which is kind of i don't know that's like really interesting to me where it's like we always talk about like how slavish should you be in your adaptation to the original? And it's like, that one is not at all. And it's probably... It one captures of the, the tone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, it's one of the better King Arthur movies I've seen. It does the job. Yeah. I actually have something similar to that later, but we're not going to get to it yet. Um, probably my favorite Frankenstein story there ever was, Jurassic Park. Yeah? Yeah. I never even thought about that. Yeah. That's a Frankenstein story, 100%. It's more clear in the book yeah. where John Hammond is a mad scientist instead of a dopey old rich man. Yeah. 
but it's still the same thing. Yeah, you know, you 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 went and you and you and you you you, you did it. You made it, and you didn't think whether you should do it. Or, I forget what it is. You, you know, you you made it. You and, were you, pulling you, the Goldblum off. <laughs> I, I knew that's what was happening. <laughs> but you know the line where he says, yes. you know, you. You, you've discovered you could do it. You yeah. didn't think whether or not you should. Yep. You know, and that's that's the lesson of of Frankenstein, of yeah. Jurassic Park, of everything. Yeah. Is you can, but should, but should you? you? Yeah. Yeah. That's oh, that's great. Uh, I okay. I think that this one will be fun for you uh, because it's a couple of things. So, A Bug's Life was one that I chose because uh, yes. I quite like A Bug's Life. It's a good movie. Uh, and A Bug's Life is actually a combination of two classic stories. Uh, one is an Aesop's fable, the grasshopper and the ants. It's mm. it's a literal direct sort of adaptation of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That story is about a grasshopper that just lays in about while the ants do all the work, right? So he's like not fitting into the natural order the way he should. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also, and I only, I literally this came to mind because I just saw the Magnificent Seven remake and I've never seen Seven Samurai or the original Magnificent oh, Seven. You see both. Right, I, I really want to, but so this was my first. <laughs> They're better. Yes. <laughs> this is my first entry into the story of a band of uh, uh, outlaws or heroes of some kind get together, a band of outsiders get together to save a small community from intruders. Mm. That's the story of A Bug's Life. That's a true. A Bug's Life is That's very true. The, 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 the fucking grasshopper or the cricket, I guess, in, in A Bug's Life, goes out into the world, finds a circus, but finds a group of outsiders, unites them, brings them back to the town, back to the anthill, to defend again. them from the grasshoppers that are invading. It's the Seven Samurai. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, uh, that's why. I and they literally again. do the same thing. They use Apparently all the carnival the stuff Dark to Tower set it up. Does that too. What oh, interesting. The I've not read it yet. Yeah. But. But they yeah, do the same the, thing. They they use their carnival stuff. They set the whole town up, the anthill, to be a trap for the grasshoppers, and they come mm. in. It's it's fucking it's seven samurai. I want to. I'm gonna watch yeah. that again. I, when I think back on Bugs Life, I think back on my preferred movie. Yes. The volcano, or well, I don't know which one was better. The volcano to the Dante's Peak. Oh, that was ants. Bugs Life. Ants. Yeah. Just I just because it was a Woody Allen yeah. movie with Sylvester, Sylvester Stallone, Stallone and ants. Uh huh. Yeah. But I, Bugs Life was awesome. Yeah. I mean. I, I actually do remember movie. as a kid enjoying Ants more as well. It's so good. Yeah. I would like to watch that again. I would like to watch Especially that now that I've seen most Woody Allen movies. It'd be fun to see we could do a, where the parallel is. a bug is. double feature. Oh, it'd be amazing. I, that but, would be amazing. And then we could watch Bug, the it, William Freakin ooh, adaptation of Tracy Letts. It's good. Yes, Michael Shannon, Ashley Judd. You, uh, you were telling jokes before. Robert X has that great joke about, I don't know if you've ever heard this one, where he's like, I was in the shower uh, and I was cleaning my butt and I pulled a, a, a brown thing out of my butt. It was an ant. Uh found a blue thing this morning it was a bug <laughs> that's so because it's, it's true it's so i, I do yeah. remember that joke so yeah funny. ants are brown bugs are blue <laughs> yeah. as we learned with the movies yeah. uh my number two is the i think underrated because a lot of people hate on it i loved ai oh and that's that is, my number one. Oh, there that's a, that's a pinocchio i love that movie yeah I love that movie. That's a great flick. I think that movie is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I love how you can feel the Kubrick movie in it. You can also feel the Spielberg movie in it. I don't like the way people break it up into this half is a uh, Kubrick oh, no. movie. This half is a Sp- I think it's a nice marriage of the, both of the things that they did. Oh, the end of that movie that everyone says is just, just like Spielberg, Spielberg wrapping up. His... It's the fucking end of Space Odyssey. Yes. Yes. It's, it's, yes. it's not, yes. I mean, it, it is, it's the perfect marriage of their two styles. Yes. I love that love movie. Love that movie. Mm-hmm. And it's very much a Pinocchio story. It's, uh, you know, you, you don't necessarily, is there a Geppetto in the movie? That's the one thing I couldn't remember. I yeah, don't... there's there's the guy who built the robot. Oh, yes, right. Yeah. There, he is a character in the movie. That's mm-hmm. right. Yes. Uh, and then, you know, you have this, this boy coming to life essentially and recognizing his own 
consciousness and and the humanity that comes with that and and those questions of well then what am I am I a robot or am I a boy and uh, and he hangs out with the donkeys the fuck butts yes that's right. Jude Law was I a do. prostitute yep. butt yep a pro- I gotta come up with a good term for that yeah I'll come up with one. <laughs> uh, all right well then I guess I should do my number one please. here and uh, this blew my mind because this is actually our our contest winner one of my buddies Mike Tardy he suggested this one Predator is Beowulf. Whoa, that is I that blew my mind. Whoa, but it really, really is. Yeah, yeah, hit me, give it, break it. There's a beast. Yep, that kills everybody. Yep, and he faces off against the one guy who made it that That's know, right. made it that far. Yeah, it's Beowulf. That's so good. Just a, a band of men on their way to kill a creature. Now the the tweak is, of course, that the creature first finds it's, them. Yes, is hunting them. Um, I forget whether Beowulf was stumbled upon by Grendel oh, or boy, vice I don't versa. Know. Yeah, that poem's just so epic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, I think Grendel hides in like a lake or something. So I think Beowulf yeah, has yeah. to go to Grendel. But well, Grendel, it's an epic poem. Yeah, <laughs> it's so yeah. epic. But yeah, that's uh, and it's also in a way Jaws. Yeah. Uh, Jaws is oh, the 100%. same sort of thing. Mm-hmm. At least the second half of that, huh? Where they decide to venture out, like we have to get the beast, yep. we have to stop it. Yep. And they leave, you know, they leave two of them alive. Yeah. But, you know, uh, I've always said often. that uh, Home Alone is the worst PG adaptation of Predator. Oh yeah. Uh, it's, it's also Die Hard, though. I know people have always <laughs> done the Die Hard breakdown, but there is a really, if you really think about it, there are some hilarious parallels oh, yeah. between. Uh, because the whole third act of Predator is Home Alone. Mm-hmm. He's turning the jungle into a death trap for the Predator. Well, in Predator, he literally builds like a log on a rope trap, yeah, which is the paint cans yes, on the roof. Exactly. Yeah. There's also they, they here. This is my favorite thing that these two movies share. They both have a scene where the main character uh, literally just does like a guttural man scream, yeah. uh, 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 <laughs> leading so into the true. third act. Well, and then there's that crazy part in Predator where Schwarzenegger puts Hot Wheels down on the hardwood floor, uh-huh. and then Predator slips on uh-huh. it and, and lands on his nah, tushy. Hold, hold on here, man. I'll hit you with another one. Yeah, uh, yeah. In, the, in the Predator, uh, you've got uh, the sequence where the Predator, the titular Predator, uh, slowly takes out the military men one by one throughout the jungle. And in Home Alone, you've got the uh, see in this construction. Oftentimes, uh, Kevin McAllister becomes the predator of, of predators. Uh, so you have the Kevin McAllister predator taking out military men one by one with his oh, BB gun on true. his laundry chute. And uh, then there's boy, that the scene same where movie. Schwarzenegger actually sits down to eat a Kraft mac and cheese dinner, <laughs> yeah. and then the predator shows up. Yes. It's wild. <laughs> or the part where Schwarzenegger puts he he puts aftershave on his hands and puts it up to yeah, his it's cheeks. The jungle scream. And then he and then he screams. Yeah. That was pretty good. The jungle that scream. Was good. Or remember in Predator 2 when Marv got electrocuted <laughs> and he turned into a skeleton? It was crazy. Is there is there a parallel to that in Predator 2? <laughs> no, too? I'm just I I'm wish. just listing. You missed my first one that uh that he puts that Arnold Schwarzenegger puts Hot Wheels on the hardwood. No, floor. I, I got that <laughs> okay, one. Yeah. I was going to say I, I didn't know if you were. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going. No, that was why. I, that was why I went for the military <laughs> one because I was like, oh, you're joking, but actually, some of those gags do repeat. They, there actually really is yeah. a huge <laughs> parallel between those two. But yeah. I guess in in some type of way too, if we flip the script, we could say that Joe Pesci and Marv are on their way to fight Grendel. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's there. there's a Beowulf. There. That's true. That's true. Uh, Joe Pesci and Marv, Harry Lime and Marv. Yes. Uh, does Marv have a last name? Um, I I bet he does. That needs to be the last thing that we find out on this podcast. As I spend the next twenty minutes on. That's fine. Well, you do that. Uh, I'm going to plug HorrorPack.com one more time for yes, giving us these. The movies, oh my guys. god, they gave us these. Uh, this was August's Horror Pack. Uh, October they got a special one, so sign up. You can go to HorrorPack.com. It's twenty five bucks a month. You get four Blu-rays every month. Uh, you can get DVDs if you want, but I recommend getting the Blu-rays. They look better, and that means you're getting four Blu-rays for like six bucks every month. It's fucking great. Oh yeah, uh, all horror. They clearly what say it again. 
I, oh, I'm oh, smirking okay, right, his yeah, name. Okay, good. Uh, they, they also clearly give you a great mix of horror. It's not like they're dipping into all kinds of stuff. These are four... There's a fucking 3D one with glasses, y'all. They give us four wildly different horror movies, which I love. Uh, and I we are probably going to review at least one more on the show, I Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. So, uh, yeah. So, thank you to HorrorPack.com for sponsoring the show uh, this week. Uh, and we hope you all go check out HorrorPack.com and order their very special October edition uh, where they have a secret special movie. Uh, and uh, I don't know. Should we wrap up plugs or do you want to give me his name? You guys, Audible.com <laughs> is a... Sorry, no. Actually, what I meant to say was that Casper mattresses yeah. are just so... I'm just kidding. Warby Parkers. But uh, Warby Parkers, Bonobos. Bonobos. Um, uh, the, the place that sends you Fuji Cook. I Ooh. forget what it's called. Uh, Blue Kitchen or some shit. Yeah. You know, those places. Yeah. You got to check out all of them. They're all part of the 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 network yeah. that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and, and uh, for fans of the Joe Rogan show, we're selling pills, y'all. <laughs> all the pills that you need to make your brain as smart as your muscles. <laughs> That's really what he said. <laughs> so, okay, I think I just distilled the appeal of Joe Rogan yep. down to down to its essence. <laughs> That's actually not an awful show if you can. No, you know, no, I like he's Joe gotta, Rogan, but that's hilarious. The, yeah, make your brains as smart as your muscles by taking Joe Rogan pills, guys. Oh my god, that's no, funny. but uh, horrorpack.com, which can be found online at. Uh, I fuck. hate you. Ho- oh, horrorpack. <laughs> uh, what is it? Horrorpack.com. You can find us at I Like To Movie on all of the things that you can find things Twitter, on. Facebook, Tumblr, we're everywhere. That's what they're called. I'm at Dan Scully on all of those things. Um, check out Cinadelphia.com. And uh, yeah, what do you got? I'm on uh, Twitter uh, at Filmadelphia. It's with an F, F-I-L-M, Adelphia. Uh, letterbox.com slash Filmadelphia. I review every movie I watch there. I think I just reviewed like my fourth hundred, four hundred, fourth hundredth, fourth hundredth, my fourth hundredth movie on letterbox.com. Uh, so check me out over there. Uh, I just did a double feature of the first two American Ninja movies, Ooh, uh, which was a good Michael Dudikoff all fucking day. Yeah, I renamed those movies Call of Duty and Call of Duty Two. Hell Duty yeah. calls. Oh, nice. <laughs> I like uh, it. Yeah. Uh, and then there's part three booty calls uh, when uh, Jamie Foxx stepped in. Booty duty. Get it? Boom. So yeah. Uh, check me out over there, and uh, I think that's going to wrap it up. Get me Marv's last name, please, okay, my friend. So, uh, oh, and we're going to be coming back with a couple uh, more horror episodes this month. We yeah. have, uh, we're going to do Scream at some point this month. That's coming up, and we got at least one more coming your way. We haven't decided what it's going to be yet, but it is coming down the pike. So uh, check us out. October is our favorite month of the year. Boom. Marv Merchants. Marv Merchants. Marv Merchants. Harry Lime and Marv Merchants. Harry Lime and Marv Merchants. Love it. Uh, that'll wrap it up for us here at I Like to Movie Movie. My name is Garrett Smith, and I like to movie movie. John Candy's name was Gus Polinsky. Polinsky? And he presumably liked to movie movie as well. And my name is Dan Scully, and I like to movie movie. And we all know that you like to poke with Polinsky at the movie movie. Because we, we like to move it. It's become the longest part of the show. Oh, and stay tuned for this uh, great clip from the uh, music <laughs> video for Beyond Reanimator, which is what we're referencing earlier in the show. Goodbye. Nice. Come on, boys and girls. Come a little closer. I'm the reanimator. Reanimate your feet. 